Prayer changes the atmosphere. And prayer, I heard Ian Bonds, or didn't hear him say it. He's been gone many years, but I read in one of his books. <laughs> heard it in my spirit. Ian Bonds said this, In prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and power of God. He's able to do things through you you could not do otherwise. For God has left certain things open to prayer. Things which will never be done except we pray. When we pray, we are doing God's business. Prayer is the Father's business. And we're part of the family of God. So we could say that we're in the, fa- we're in the family business Amen. when we're praying, Amen. when we're working with Him. He has given us, really it's a privilege to be able to communicate with Him, to be able to use our God-given authority and change situations and change circumstances. When we pray, we believe that people's eyes are flooded with light. We can break the power of darkness off of those who are blinded that have not yet received Jesus. Just think of the privilege that we get to work with heaven with our prayers. That's a good thing, isn't it? I really believe that God is calling every one of us to come up higher, even in our prayer walk, and to take our prayer position. When I say prayer position, I am not talking about, you know, kneeling, standing, lying, walking, however you like to pray, the position that you like to pray from. Not a natural position, but he wants us to take our spiritual position. Aren't you glad that we have a place in him, that we have a seat in the heavenlies far above all principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness? I gave the ladies the scriptures up there, but I want to actually start with this one in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are we seated? Far above. And it's from that position that we pray. And when we pray from our rightful position in Him, we have a vantage point. We see things that others don't see. When you take your rightful seat in that place in the realm of the Spirit, you're not going to be limited in your prayer life by what you might even know, what you might see in the natural. It's kind of like this. taking on, When you take off in an airplane, the houses, the trees, the cars, everything gets smaller and smaller the higher that you go. And it's the same with the things of God. The more that we press into God and we realize and we get that revelation, that reality of who we are in Christ Jesus and where we're seated in Him, the higher we go in Him, it's like the smaller those problems and difficulties seem to get. We all face 
hard times in life. We all are bombarded with, with things and tests and trials and all of these things. And we don't magnify the enemy, but it's just a reality. If you're here in this world, there's going to be some tribulations. Even Jesus said in this world, you're going to have tribulations, but he didn't stop there. If he did, we could just, you know, we could all be totally bummed out. But he said, it, it, we're going to have tribulations in this world. But then he said, but I have overcome the world. So we always, we don't deny the fact that there's problems. We don't deny the fact of what's going on in the world. We don't deny the fact that maybe a disease is trying to attach itself to our body, but we don't receive that. that what's going on in this world is not our reality as a believer. Hallelujah. Because we are not citizens of this country. Maybe you are. I believe most of you are a citizen of the United States of America. I'm not talking about that. But our true citizenship is in heaven. And because that's where our true citizenship is, we live and we operate under the laws of our homeland. And the homeland of heaven says that we are more than conquerors. The homeland of heaven says that he's given us joy instead of sorrow. The homeland of heaven says that he is our prince of peace. Hallelujah. The homeland of heaven says he is our healer. How many of you like that? He's our healer. How about this one? That he promised to supply all of our needs according to what? Those riches in glory. Riches where? In glory. Riches in your bank account here in the nation and or in the natural? No. His riches in glory. The place where our true citizenship is. Hallelujah. That's who's funding our life. That's a good thing, isn't it? So it's important for us to realize when we go to pray who we are and where we are seated and not to magnify the problem, but to magnify God. Let God be magnified and his enemies be scattered. So when we're praying over a situation, we never want to look at it as like, ah, this is insurmountable. Ah, this is so big. We always want to look at it as nothing for God. This is nothing for God. Nothing's too big for my God. Amen. So we're praying and we're talking tonight from a place of victory. Victory in Jesus. Amen. So actually, I want to tell you what the title of my message is going to be tonight. And this is this. It just came on me today as I was thinking about our pre-service prayer. Guard your garden. So this is the deal, folks. You and I, when we know who we are, we know that we have been given uh, God-given authority. Then it's really our responsibility to put a parameter around the territory, around the domain, around our loved ones. And to declare to the enemy, I draw a bloodline in the mighty name of Jesus. And you are not crossing the 
bloodline. These words that we read in the Bible are not just fillers. When he said, in the name of Jesus, plead the blood of Jesus and remind the enemy, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And sometimes not only do we do it over natural things, our homes, our cars, over our family, but sometimes you have to do it over your mind. If you are being bombarded with thoughts of defeat and thoughts of despair and all depression, if you have to just take the Bible and put it on your head and just say, I'm casting down every evil imagination in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my thought life. Satan, you will not get a stronghold in my mind. When we say guard your garden, part of guarding your garden is definitely our thought life. It's the things that try to attach themselves in the area of our thinking, in the area of our emotions. All of us are very aware of what happened on Sunday with Kobe Bryant and that tragic, tragic accident. And, you know, we watched some of it and different things and our son John and his family lived down there in LA and he was quite distraught like like so many people were and was sending me all these texts and all of this stuff and I went to bed Sunday night and it was like I could feel this tangible presence of grief and it wasn't like I was you know I'm sorry for the loss and it's horrible and of course we pray for his family, all the family members of those that were killed on the helicopter as well. So we certainly have compassion and we pray, but it was like, I could sense this almost like a dark presence trying to envelop me. And I knew immediately it just came up in my heart. It's a spirit of grief. And one, one of the conversations with John, he said, there's like a blanket of sadness over all of LA. And so that was kind of in my thinking, I think, when I went to bed, a blanket of sadness. And so I started to, as I was laying there, you know, I'm not going to just accept this, just started to pray. And of course, when someone that we love, or even someone, a notable figure like that, is killed tragically, we do. There is a sorrow, and there is a grief, and there is a compassion. But the Bible says that we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. And there's a difference in grieving and being sorry about a situation and allowing a spirit of grief to grab hold where you just, you can't get out from under it. We have hope, folks. Hallelujah. We have hope. And I, even in this case, if you haven't seen some of this stuff, John's been sending us stuff, but Kobe and his daughter went to mass that Sunday morning before they got on the helicopter and had communion. And there's all, all sorts of statements about him and his faith. So we just thank God for that assurance that he's with the Lord. Amen. So that's the difference. When we know somebody is in the presence of the Lord, we don't let grief just grab us to the point that we can't function. Because you know what we have? We have a blessed hope. And that blessed hope, just like we were talking about the family of God, that blessed hope is that this world is not the end. It's really, when we leave this world, it's just the beginning, really. 
for the believer. Hallelujah. Our true citizenship is in heaven. Glory to God. And that's where our eternal forever home is. Amen. So I just thought I would put that in there. I didn't have all of that in my notes, but praise God. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to us about guarding our garden. And part of that garden, a big part of it is our emotions, our mind, our thinking, our soul. How many of you have ever had a garden? Have ever planted something? <laughs> well, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. Where's my country buddies? Anyway. Well, if you've ever had a little, how about any, a flower garden? Okay, a few more hands. All right, all right. <laughs> anyway. Well, if you've ever had a garden in an area where there's lots of little bunny rabbits and little critters, you know that you have to put a fence around your garden. And in our garden, when I was a kid, it couldn't just be like a, a big bob-wired fence. That would keep out maybe the coyotes and the big critters. But a big bob-wire fence is not going to keep out the little bunny rabbits. So we had to literally put like chicken wire that has just teeny little holes in it around the vegetables that we knew the bunny rabbits liked to eat. Because they could sneak through the big gaps in the fence. And sometimes I think with believers, we think, well, when you say guard your garden, guard your soul, it's just, you know, I got to guard myself against the really big things. I got to guard myself against, you know, adultery or guard myself against cancer, these huge things. But did you know that the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine? It's not just the big stuff that we need to keep out of our garden, keep out of our thinking, keep out of our, our heart. It's the little things. What about worry? Did you know that worry will eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you meditate on the wrong things? And some people think worry is a little thing. It's not a little thing. We got to keep it out. How about this? What, what about wrong words? What about strife? We're talking about prayer, but we're, we're talking about it from the standpoint of we want to pray with power. We want to pray with life flowing out of us. And the Bible tells us how faith works. Faith works like it says in Galatians 5, 6. It says that faith for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So if we aren't going to walk in love, our faith is going to be hindered. And if our faith is hindered, our prayers are not going to be effective. All kinds of prayer uh, need to be prayed in faith. I've studied the kinds of prayers for year, years, and I have yet to find a prayer called doubt and unbelief. There's not such a prayer. Every kind of prayer that we pray needs to be prayed from a position of faith. Amen. So we don't want our faith to be hindered through wrong words and strife and bitterness. Amen. 
So guess what? It's our responsibility to watch over our territory, our domain in prayer. Our mind, our heart, even your physical body, every area of our life. It's our responsibility. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, let's look over at Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15, I'm going to read a lot of my scriptures tonight out of the King James because I I like the translation of these. And the Lord took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The word dress means groom. The word keep in Hebrew there means this, to guard, to protect. Now, Adam did not obviously have the name of Jesus like we have, but he did have, he had been given, God-given authority to watch over, to guard, to protect, to keep. One translation says, keep out evil intruders. So God knew that the enemy was going to show up, but he gave Adam the necessary equipment and authority to keep the enemy out. He had given him this assignment by God. And when the enemy crossed the line and lied and deceived Eve into, you know, the fruit situation there, Adam could have said, no, we're not eating that fruit. The Bible says that Eve was deceived. It doesn't even say that Adam was deceived. He just was like, you know, she's so, she's so fine and I don't want fine to be upset with me tonight. So if she says eat the fruit, we're eating the fruit. You know, I don't know what he was thinking, but he, he made a wrong decision. (laughs) Anyhow, uh uh-oh. And after his wrong choice and his wrong decision, isn't it amazing that when God came down and said, Adam, what have you done? He said, oh God, it's the woman that you gave me. So not only was he blaming the woman, he was blaming God. Because God, if you hadn't given me so fine here, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have yielded to this temptation. So he's blaming God. He's blaming the woman. But you know, the name blame game never does work. (laughs) No one can make us sin. We all have something called a will and something called a choice. The temptation can be laid out there, but nobody can make you do anything. All of you wives ought to say amen. Nobody can make their husbands do anything they don't want to do, basically. You know what I'm saying? No one can take authority that we should be taking. Amen? Do you agree with that? People can come alongside us. They can agree with us. We all need faith buddies. We all need praying partners. But when it comes to your family, your territory, your domain, your garden, whatever we want to call it tonight, we're saying guard your garden and that's literally your territory, your domain where you have the greatest influence and impact. When it comes to that, I love you. We as pastors and staff love you, but I'll just be honest with you. I don't care much about your, I care a little bit. I don't care as much. That's the way to say it. I care. I don't care as much 
about your kid as you care about your kid. I mean, they're your kid. You created them. I didn't. You made them. You know what I mean? I'm going to come in agreement with you. I'm going to use my faith with you. But nobody has as much dominion over your kids or your husband or your family as you do. So that's why he's telling us here, we need to use our God-given authority. Amen? And the good news is, is we've got it. And if you were here in pre-service prayer, we mentioned also that we've got weapons that are not natural weapons, but they are mighty weapons. It's in 2 Chronicles 10, 3 and 4. We don't need to read it again, but... Second Corinthians, yes. But the weapons of our warfare, they're not physical. They're not flesh and blood. But they are mighty through God. Tell me what some of the weapons are that we have to use against the enemy. The blood. The blood. What else? The name. What else? The word of God. How about this, folks? We got angels. We got angelic help. We got supernatural divine intervention. We have heaven's resources at our disposal. Let me just say this. We can't lose with the things we use. And that's the key. You got to use the weapons that have been given unto us. Use them in prayer. Amen. Use what God has given to us. I love this account of this man in the Old Testament, who we don't know a lot about him, but I think it's a wonderful illustration of somebody who just looks like a regular guy, but God used him to do mighty things. You want to hear about him? All right, turn over with me to Second Samuel, chapter 23, and we're going to begin reading at verse 9. There's some funny names in here, so don't get distracted. And it'll be even funnier the way I say them, probably. But verse 9. First of all, let me preface this. This is talking about the Philistines had kept coming after the children of Israel and David's mighty men. Yea, for David's mighty men had fought many battles and had defeated the Philistines. So this is an account of David's mighty men. And after him... After this other guy that had killed a bunch of Philistines was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Now, that one is very funny to me. The Aholite. <laughs> wow. One of the three me- mighty men. There's no other way to say that, is there? Dodo? All right. Okay. Ha! We're not going there. One of the three mighty men of David. Okay. Keep reading the word. When they defiled the Philistines that were, that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. So the, most of the army was already gone. But this guy, Eliezer, he arose. He smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Wow. God's power and might must have been on him. His hand clave unto his sword. To the point that he couldn't even probably unloose his hand from the sword. He'd been killing so many of the enemy. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. 
and the people returned after him only to spoil. So Eliezer, son of Dodo, even though he had a silly name, he was used of God. And after he defeated all these Philistines, him and the people left. But now let's pick it up in verse 11. And after him was Shuma, the son of Aji, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. So if you study this out, you can see that Shuma, he was like the low man on the totem pole. David and the mighty men, all the Israelites, they fought the Philistines. They thought they were done and they left. And they left Shuma in charge of watching over the garden. Watching over the pea patch, if you were. The Philistines, and they started coming down on a regular basis. And they were stealing their crops. Their crops probably were chickpeas. And that meant if they kept coming and stealing the chickpeas, they weren't going to have any hummus and they weren't going to have any lovely falafels. Maybe that's why he got so mad. He wasn't going to have his favorite food to eat. But at some point, Shama said, I have had enough. I may just be the farmer watching over the pea patch. I may just be a pea picker. But after a while, something rose up on the inside of him. And he went from Shama the pea picker to Shama the defender of the peas. He may have put on a superhero outfit. I don't know. A mantle came on him. I am now Shama, defender of the peas. Authority came up on him. Superhero authority. And that day it says that he stood up in the midst of the ground. And when I read that, what I see is that he stood up on the outside Because he first stood up on the inside and said, no more. I'm defending what's mine. He got fed up with the devil, with the Philistines stealing and robbing from them. Folks, sometimes we might see ourselves as a nobody. We might see ourselves as, well, I'm the low man on the totem pole. But in God's eyes, every single one of us have the same authority and the same weapons if we'll use it. We cannot lay down on the inside and let the devil run roughshod over our families, over our finances. 
comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is he trying to steal from your life? Is he trying to take your dream? Is he trying to take your kids and get them to go out into the world? What is he after? We need to recognize his weapons, but we also need to say, I got greater weapons and I am not going to lay down. And some people, they want to act like a, like a possum. You know, possums, when they're in trouble, they lay down and play dead. Just ask Pastor Mark. He knows. I will not give you the gory details of what happened to a possum playing dead. But some people have the attitude. If I lay down and just play dead, the devil's going to leave me alone. Or if I don't bother him, he won't bother me. No, he's coming after your peas. You might as well know it. Rise up. Rise up. Be the guardian. Don't be the guardians of the galaxy. That was a really dumb show. But be the guardians of your life. Be the guardians of your family. Be the guardians at work. You might say, well, nobody at work knows the Lord. Well, that's why he's got you there. Be the light. Be the one that's holding back the forces of darkness in your place of employment. When you're on BART, when you're on a jet, wherever you go, God goes. Hallelujah. We need to rise up and be who God has called us to be. He's given every one of us a place and a position and territory and domain to watch over. Let me close with this scripture in Isaiah chapter 62. I forgot to look when I started, but it's long enough. I know that. Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. Familiar passage of scripture, but I just want to remind you of this. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest until he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This scripture has a dual meaning. Of course, he's literally talking about Israel and Jerusalem. And we are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Our two nations are have a glorious connection. And we should be watching over the things happening in the Middle East. Watching over what's happening with Israel. I don't know if you've been following it at all. But the attacks that are coming against Prime Minister Benjamin. And never can say his last name. It's very similar to the attacks against our president. It's just eerie how similar it is. But we need to be watching over what's going on in Israel. And in our nation. But he said, I have put you as watchmen. A watchman is somebody who is on guard. If you have a business or you have something that you want to be kept safe. And you hire a watchman. 
You're not going to be very blessed if you drive up to your business in the morning and the watchman is sound asleep in the car and the whole place has been ransacked and all of the stuff taken. No, you don't want to hire a watchman that sleeps on the job. You want a watchman that's alert, that's active, that's on guard. And that's what God wants from his children. He doesn't want us sleeping in the day of harvest. It's time for harvest. He doesn't want us to be asleep. He doesn't want us to be asleep in this day and in this hour when he needs us to be on our post and keeping the enemy at bay and stopping his plots and his plans. Amen. I'm looking at a group in here that are watchmen. What are we supposed to watch over? I've been saying dominion, our domain, territory, our garden. Well, what do you think that is? It's your family. It's your church. It's a city where you live. It's our state. It's our nation. It's our schools. Anything that has to do with where we live. Anywhere where you're connected or your children, your family is connected. Be a watchman. Be alert. Don't let the enemy get a stronghold in those areas. We have been called to active duty in the Lord's army. Jesus is our commander in chief. And he knows the big picture. And he wants Christians to have this kind of mentality. You know, we are the Lord's army. He wants us to get this soldier mentality. Go where you're sent, stay where you're stationed, take your post seriously, and obey your orders from headquarters. When we all do our part, not only our families will be safe, the Bay Area will be safe. I heard something from Billy Brim, and I've been doing it almost every day. Read Ephesians chapter 1. Through three. And then on a daily basis, take your seat of authority and declare Satan, no terrorist attacks are going to happen in my city, in the Bay Area, in the state of California. We plead the blood, we put a stop on any of your evil plots or plans. He cannot cross the bloodline. Amen. Amen. We don't see everything, but God does. And he will help us through the help of the Holy Spirit to pray effective prayers that will help us guard our garden and help us. You have something? Let's all stand. Hallelujah. You have something? Go ahead. That's very good. This is exactly what is happening. We need to know the day and age in which we live. It's high time to awake 
out of sleep. Again, you don't want a watchman that's asleep on the job. If we didn't have what we, what we needed to live in this day and age and to be victorious Christians, we would have been born in the 1800s. But God lets you be alive in 2020 because you got the right stuff. And we just got to know we have the right stuff. And we got to use the right stuff. Amen. Know the day and the hour in which we live. Pastor just uh, reminded me, Romans 13 in verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We're going to walk in the light in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you that you have entrusted us. You have called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. This is the day and this is the hour that should be the finest time for your church. For us to not be walking in defeat, not be walking in despair, but no, ha, 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 declaring victory, victory, hallelujah, and not to be sombra, ha, ha, ha. Not letting the enemy run roughshod and do things in our lives, in our state. No, no, no. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we're going to We are going to take our assignment. I just This is what I want us to do right now. I know that all of us in here are, are born again believers. If there's anybody in here that isn't, please see me afterwards. But I recognize almost everybody in here. <clears throat> so we're already part of the Lord's army. But I just feel like this is what came up in my heart. We need to re-up. You know, when people have been in the military and their term is up and they say, do you want to re-up or you want to, you want to re-enlist or you want to get out? I think the spirit of the Lord is just saying it's time to re-up in our commitment to walk in the light and to be a soldier in the Lord's army. And another thing about being a soldier, soldiers are not whiny babies. They don't get away with it. So when things happen in our life, we just, you know, we, that we don't understand, we have to cast that over upon the Lord and we can't be a whiny baby about it. Just cast it over on the Lord and ask him for his help. Amen. So all of you raise right hand. I'm going to swear you in. <laughs> yep. There we go. All right. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I make a fresh commitment to be a good soldier, to learn about and to use the weapons of my warfare, the mighty weapons that you have given unto me. I thank you for the full armor of God that I do not face the enemy. 
naked. naked. I'm clothed clothed. in the armor of God God. with the power of God, with the authority authority. in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you. you. We're taking more territory. territory. We're going higher higher. in the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So y'all receive your assignments. And I can't tell you what your prayer assignments are. But you know we all have prayer assignments too. And people in the military, they don't have the same duty. They don't have the same assignments. God is an individual God. And as you seek his face, he's going to let you know what you need to be praying about, what you need to be walking about, what you need to be speaking. Amen. And when we all do our part, then the whole comes together and the vision is fulfilled. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.